previously on The Vault. On Sunday, just hours after SI broke the news detailing allegations of sexual harassment and racist behavior involving Jerry Richardson, the Carolina Panthers owner then announced he is selling the team at the end of the season. Started going through some notes and writing some more ideas down and thoughts. I came to the conclusion that going forward, I, I believe the thing that we needed to do was bring in a different perspective, um, different ideas in terms of going forward and to, to what I believe is our ultimate goal, and that's winning a Super Bowl. Uh, the one thing that I do believe with the quarterback, particularly a guy who's played as much as Cam, uh, he, he, there's things he can improve on, and there's things he can get better at, like all of us. But the way he's gonna make the most improvement is we've gotta get the people around him continue to play at a higher level. And I believe that can happen because it's, it's really a young group of receivers, and that's where you make the big jumps, you know. Uh, Welcome to The Vault, a podcast that looks into stories locked deep in the sports world. Season one, an uncertain offseason, looks deeper into the Carolina Panthers 2018 offseason. Those traditional currents that all NFL teams must navigate, but also at the storm above to get a better vision of just how this voyage of the 2018 season will be. Episode three, free agency. As conversations about free agents began to unfold, it seemed that Panther fans had resided for another year of Carolina playing it safe in free agency. Herney barely had his job, the team was up for sale, and Carolina didn't have bukus of money to spend. Making a splash in free agency or doling out big contracts to guys on the team could quickly make for the exit door when a new owner came in. Carolina had about $24 million in cap space, but they still had to figure out what they were going to do with Star Latulale and Andrew Norwell, both set to hit free agency and command big numbers. Graham Gano and Derek Anderson were also due to hit the market. There were mixed feelings about Gano, who just a year earlier hung on to his job from rookie Harrison Butker by just a shoestring. Butker went on to have a great year in Kansas City, and Gano did go on to make 29 of his 30 field goal attempts. The team didn't seem confident in trotting him out from beyond 50, however. Gano posted just one kick on the season beyond 50 yards. While Gano had a strong 2017, there was some history there that raised the question if it was time to go their separate ways. And then there was Julius Peppers. Would the 38-year-old legend come back for another year after off-season shoulder surgery and with a new defensive coordinator in Eric Washington? After an 11-sack season and a re-cemented relationship with Panther fans, it seemed like an opportune time for Peppers to call it a career. The hot discussion throughout the league surrounded wide receivers. With Kelvin Benjamin gone, the jury's still out on Devin Funches and injury problems with guys like Curtis Samuels and Demir Bird, Carolina was in familiar territory here. They could use some help immediately. Names like Sammy Watkins, Allen Robinson, Mike Wallace, and Marquise Lee were all being batted around. Robinson and Watkins were bound to command some real money and there was a lot of risk in signing either to a big deal. Robinson was coming off a major ACL injury, and Watkins had a lot of name recognition, but average production throughout his career. 
Still, the position group needed to be addressed, and just adding a piece alone through the draft didn't seem to be the answer. Less than a week before free agency was to begin, the Panthers traded second-year corner Darrell Worley to the Philadelphia Eagles for veteran wide receiver Torrey Smith. Known earlier in his career as a premier deep threat option, Smith had only put up modest stats in a crowded Eagle offense last season. The trade didn't go over well among many Panther fans who cited the assumption of Smith's $5 million contract at the expense of a young player in an already thin secondary. Mike Wallace was the better option anyway, they argued. At worst, Smith was bound to be cut by the Eagles, making him a free agent option in just a couple of weeks. The trade seemed rushed, a lot of people contended. Panthers management liked the idea of getting a veteran piece for North Turner at a guaranteed price. Once free agency opened, who knew the price that these receivers would command? That position proved wise as free agency opened and wide receivers like Sammy Watkins would sign a three-year $48 million contract with $30 million guaranteed. Even younger players who had limited success like Dante Moncrief could command $9.5 million in a single-year prove-it contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Moncrief had youth on his side, but Carolina opted for what proved to be a discounted veteran in an inflated receiver market. Herney had his eyes set after trading Worley away in rebuilding the Panthers' secondary with more speed and athleticism. Carolina announced as soon as free agency opened that they were signing cornerback Bashad Breland to a three-year $24 million contract. The move seemed brilliant. Breland was a physical corner with good coverage skills. While all the talk had centered on adding offensive talent to the roster, Herney quietly worked a solid deal with a talented player entering what was hoped to be the prime of his career at 26 years old. Free agent news, however, kept coming out in the following days. Pictures of players signing their newest free agent contract abounded social media, but Breland's moment had quietly yet to happen. The team and him had agreed in principle publicly, but where was the picture from Panthers Twitter celebrating this newest member of the team? A few days later, odd news that Breland had failed his physical because of some undisclosed foot injury emerged. Word broke that Breland had injured his foot on vacation in the Dominican Republic. It became infected and he would have to have a series of skin grafts over the next months before he fully recovered. It was devastating news for the Panthers and Breland, who had thought he had landed the contract that former fourth-rounders dream of. The Panthers had suddenly had their free agency plans derailed in the days between the agreement with Breland and the time he failed his physical. And in that period, some of the more appealing free agent options had been scooped up. It was a moment that had the potential of undermining the entire Panthers offseason. If there was any solace, Carolina at the very least had avoided signing a player who would have had some injury issues surface in the following weeks in surprise. Losing Breland upset the natives, who now started eyeing other potential additions such as the Honey Badger or Eric Reed, some swinging back to the offense hoping for Marquise Lee. Both would have been high-profile additions, but instead Carolina refocused and jumped on a different big name. 
who had quietly flown under the radar in free agency chatter. Don Terry Poe. It was a move no one saw coming, but seemed just as important as the Breland deal had been. For months, Panther fans had debated who Carolina could keep between Andrew Norwell and star Latulale, or if they could afford either. Norwell would sign a giant $60 million contract with the Jaguars, and Latulale, who never felt fully appreciated in Carolina, would sign in Buffalo, reuniting with former defensive coordinator and now head coach Sean McDermott. Poe's acquisition was an impressive recovery by Herney, who had been thrown a heck of a curveball with the Breland situation. It was an important recovery, but Carolina wanted Breland for a reason. The secondary needed help. The following week, Carolina signed safety Denoris Searcy, corner Ross Cockrell, and offensive lineman Jeremy Searles. What I can tell you about Denoris is that he is going to attack the football and he's going to tackle anybody that breaks through, which I know won't happen much, but he'll, he'll be there. All right, and now how about Ross? Uh, Ross is going to come in, lock down, hands on. When the ball's in the air, he's going to go get it. Cockrell was an addition that tried to bolster the roster in the wake of trading Daryl Worley and the Breland deal falling through. The former Blue Devil, who played high school football in Charlotte, seemed at the very worst a lateral move from Worley. Cockrell is a little more experienced and has better man coverage skills, indicating that it is likely a slight upgrade. Cersei's sighting wasn't all that exciting for many, but imperative as the Panthers headed into the draft and tried to find some support in the defensive backfield since releasing Kirk Coleman in this offseason. Cersei signed a substantial contract with Tennessee in 2015 after thriving in a Buffalo Bills defense that was churning out top-end safeties year after year. Cersei would have been a nice fit in Carolina at the time, but they opted to sign Kirk Coleman, who worked out nicely, while they tried with as they tried to squeeze as they tried to squeeze out every drop of sauce from Roman from Roman Harper. Cersei never lived up to the full billing for reasons that aren't fully apparent in Tennessee. The Titans paid him, but seemingly never invested in him beyond his first season. The following year, the Titans signed Jonathan Cyprian. The high-profile signing of Cyprian indicated that Cersei wasn't part of the long-term plan in Tennessee's secondary. What is confusing is that Cersei's play never seemed to be a central part of Tennessee's lack of success. There seemed to be so many other problems in that defense other than just Cersei. Carolina has been a waypoint for discarded safeties in search of a renaissance. Perhaps Cersei, a former UNC Tar Heel, will find that renaissance much much like Roman Harper, Mike Mitchell, and Kirk Coleman did. The Panthers addressed some important roster needs in free agency, especially after losing Star Latule and Kirk Coleman. There were still some needs on offense, though. Questions at the wide receiver position were very real. Funches was the only player with any real experience. It seemed an unwise gamble to put your chips on Curtis Samuel coming back from major injury. Torrey Smith stepping into a large role, or Jameer Bird, who is coming back from injury, to be the unit with Funchess at the helm. Herney sought to get Norv Turner a little help implementing his offense when he signed 28-year-old Jarris Wright, or Mr. Clutch, when described by Minnesota Viking fans. Wright had played under Norv Turner for two and a half years in Minnesota. 
He always came up big, but there were just too many bodies in that position group. Wright was quick to sign when Carolina showed interest. Several weeks later, and now officially a Carolina Panther, Wright conveyed why the Panthers added him when stating, I feel I could teach Norv's offense to a baby. Wright continued, I know every aspect of it. I know how he wants everything run. If Norv forgets something, he can just come ask me. Former general manager Dave Gettleman always used to say that you use free agency to set up the draft, meaning you want to bolster your roster enough so as to be capable in the draft on jumping on the best player available rather than being backed in a corner or forced to draft for need. Ironically, Gettleman had trouble putting his own philosophy to practice. In both 2014 and 2016, Gettleman made some interesting roster moves that forced him into drafting a wide receiver in the first rounds in 2014 and three corners in the first four rounds in 2016. Herney, however, was listening carefully from that radio studio during these years and looked to strongly put the philosophy to better practice. Rather than being baited into signing Norwell to a giant contract, which would have sunk a ton of money into the guard position because Turner, the right guard, had just received a big deal two years ago, or chasing one of the higher-profile wide receivers, Herney focused free agency on bolstering a defense that had key foundational pieces with Keekley, Short, Addison, and Shaq Thompson, but questions in the secondary. Cersei and Cockrell gave the secondary a little padding heading into the draft, and bringing Peppers for another year beside Poe makes for arguably an improved defensive line from last season. Roster concerns weren't alleviated entirely by free agency. There were still questions about the receiving core, which had been notoriously under-talented over the past four years, and at running back with release of Jonathan Stewart. The roster building process was far from over. The NFL Draft offered another opportunity to round out this roster and hopefully build on the positive momentum of free agency. If they didn't get what they needed in the draft, there would still be a little time afterwards to grab somebody in free agency to fill in those final gaps. Next up on The Vault, The Draft. If you enjoyed this episode of The Vault, and you want more stories like this, be sure to continue listening. And also, tell a friend about the podcast. Each share can help us continue to bring interesting and fascinating stories from the sports world.